Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors of the Church of Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, why does our church worship the way that it does? If you come visit on a Sunday, you'll notice things like a call to worship, confession and assurance, uh, passing the peace. We've even read the Apostles' Creed together before. Why is it that we have embraced some of these rich liturgical traditions? That's the question that JC and I talk around today. Why our church worships the way that it does. We'll talk around why we have chosen to do some of the things that we do, and we'll define what the word liturgy even means. I hope this is a, a helpful, encouraging episode for you. And if you have any questions about any of the things that we discuss in this this episode or any others, email me at trevor at tcgreerstation.com. Hope you enjoy. actually recording it is could you lean just a little bit closer to the mic is that weird to talk right there no cool that's perfect <laughs> um cool so uh today jc and i are going to be talking about our sunday worship um in, in particular the way that we structure our sunday worship gatherings uh, something that people always say is just how different our worship is not not the music necessarily but the way that our services are structured um, if you um, were to come into one of our services, if you've never worshipped with us, one of the things that I think distinguishes us is the way that we use what's what's folks probably consider pretty traditional liturgy. We have a call to worship where we will often have some sort of reading with a with a responsive bit for the congregation. We'll have a confession and assurance. We'll have some sit up, uh, you know, stand up, sit down sorts of things implemented, and it feels I don't know maybe a little bit unexpected in our context. So I thought it would be um, helpful for us to maybe talk through the logic of some of what we do, why we have chosen to worship in that way, and uh, have JC just kind of speak into how he thinks through like the logic and the structure itself and, and plugging those particular elements of our worship in. So. Yeah. Um, so I think, first of all, you know, it, it feels, um, people might say it feels different or it feels, uh, I don't know, just kind of new or something like that, but it's actually like, the, like that idea is actually really, really old. And it's kind of, it's kind of, um, I mean, you go to a, a Catholic church or a Lutheran church and you see a lot more of that kind of thing. Um, and it seems to be right now kind of having a, a resurgence in, in the evangelical world, um, kind of slowly but surely. And when I first came to the church at Greer Station, I remember, um, I was actually kind of learning about some of these things just in my own um, study and reading. And when I came, you told me, like, hey, we, we like to do, uh, we like to incorporate some kind of liturgical elements. So we do a confession and assurance every week. And this is kind of the, the kind of um, service that, that we want to have. And I remember, because, you know, I was, I was kind of starting to study these things. And I was like, I was like, you know, on board from the beginning, I was like, this sounds awesome. So, um, so as far, like we've been doing it ever since I was here. I think you guys have been doing it for yeah. even before that. And, uh, over the years we've, we've tweaked things and, and learned how to do things better. And we're still just, uh, you know, kind of figuring it out as we go along because, um, being Baptist, our heritage is more, uh, comes from the revivalist traditions more than it does, uh, you know, high church liturgical traditions. And so we, it's it's kind of like, this seems good, but, you know, if you've never yeah. seen it done or you've never really, if you didn't grow up doing that, it's it's kind of, 
at first feels a little bit awkward and you kind of got to get your feet under you with it. But um, anyways, was yeah, that all yeah. question? Yeah, well, I mean, we, it, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like when you're parenting and you um, you kind of feel clueless. Like you kind of have a vague idea of, of what you're doing, but you feel clueless. But by the time that you get to like your second and third child, you feel a little bit more confident. Like it almost feels like we're moving into like the second and third child um, confidence level as it, as it relates to the development of a worship service, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and I, I think there's, uh, you know, there's still plenty of things to grow in and ways to make it better. And uh, I think there's, you know, ways we can incorporate the church calendar even a little bit more into our normal routine. Um, but it is one of those things that, like, uh, I guess people that would we would typically... Uh, run in our circles tend to push back against it and you know it feels too it feels too Catholic or it feels too um, you know high church or um, it's road, just go it's it's just going through the motions it's you know it's just yeah. like this chanting or you know whatever but um, but I have personally I mean this is the first time I've been a part of a church that uh, regularly regularly incorporates some of these elements and and you know just my growth over the past couple of years being here like i've really like really come to enjoy those parts of the service um and uh and so yeah they've been like helpful for me just in my spiritual development and i think other people would probably say that too and so you kind of see the wisdom of like you know there's there's that de- you can definitely um do it wrongly and it definitely can become kind of a dead tradition but um, you kind of see the wisdom in the, you know, the churches, the church through the ages has, has, you know, generally done something like this. Hmm. Um, Brian Chapel has a really good book called Christ-Centered Worship, and basically he, he shows how, how all these um, traditions in church history, they've all kind of stuck to a very similar uh, liturgy or like an order of worship, so... Well, we use the word liturgy, and we've used it a couple of times now. What does the word liturgy actually mean? I mean, we say it, and I think we may we have associations, like you said, with like Catholics or Anglicans or Lutherans. But what does the word liturgy actually mean? Yeah, so so liturgy um, means it means the work of the people, and so basically, it's you know what what we do when we come together for corporate worship. Hmm. And I think in a more technical sense, it could mean. Um, the actual structure of your worship service. And um, so there's kind of, you know, there's kind of different uses of it. It's basically, you know, what's what's your order of service or, or what do you, what's your, you know, typical flow of your service? You know, pretty much everyone is going to have some combination of singing, of speaking, some time for prayer. Um, so what, how do you structure those things and put that all together? And that's your, that's what your liturgy is. And well, so, so defining it that way, I mean, it's not just the high church folks who are liturgical. Right, right. That's the thing. It's um, we we tend to think of liturgy as you know a, a formal, very formal, formal like formulaic uh, way you put a service together. Um, you know, Catholic Church you have a, a lot of you know responsive readings and and things that they say we, every single week. And um, but the thing is that a liturgy is. It, it's really just the structure of it. So even, um, you know, even a, a contemporary um, non-liturgical church is typically going to have, you know, 
two fast songs, a medium song, a sermon, and then a slow song at the end or something like that. And that's mm. kind of the, that's the liturgy. And, um, and so, this- so no one is, uh, <laughs> no one doesn't, you can't not have a liturgy. It's, you know, essentially impossible. I think the only, the only thing you could do is com- be like completely 100%, 100% spontaneous. But even that I think is, you know, being spontaneous is its own, you know, form of liturgy. Hmm. Yeah, the setting that I grew up in, it was like uh, you had, if I can remember correctly, I grew up in a very traditional Southern Baptist church. And so it was not considered liturgical in the way that we typically use it. But the liturgy was was always very clear. It was like you had your, you had a couple of choruses or a couple of songs, hymns, you know, maybe a praise chorus. Then you had like a choir special with the offering and then someone came up and did a special music and then the preacher preached then you had one more sermon at the end of the uh or or one more hymn rather after the end of the sermon that was the invitation and it's like that was that was the thing every week and that that's liturgy i mean that was the liturgical build of that particular church right And and so everyone everyone has it and you can only you know you can only be novel for so long like you can only you can't you can't uh, every week just start completely over and do something completely different because actually that that gets to be really exhausting yeah. uh, for you as a leader and for your church if it's if there's if there's no um, consistency from week to week as to what your service looks like but then it's a balance because you know sometimes you do need to change things up or, or have a fresh uh, you know element in there that you haven't done before um, but you know you can only be novel for so you know for so long you can't you can't reinvent the wheel every single week uh, because that becomes exhausting. And so, so you ride this balance of uh, structure and, you know, being spontaneous and, be, you know, being willing to change the structure as well. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that reminds me, uh, G.K. Chesterton says that the way that you keep a fence post white is you keep painting it. So there's like, um, you keep repainting it. So there's like a this idea of being attentive to the same old thing and bringing like intentionality to the same old thing is is um good and and beautiful and helpful and it's like you know as even if our worship services are structured the same way as we continue to like bring intentionality to that and continue to try and think well about how to make it you know gospel rich um and uh relevant to our situation that it can it kind of has room to flourish um kind of within that structured setting right right yeah um so what's the good of it why why not just be really spontaneous or 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 maybe i should say like why do we why do we why have we embraced some of the um ways of structuring our service that we have yeah um i think uh i think spontaneity is is a good thing um but the the structures of our liturgy how we've kind of structured our service um that provides kind of the necessary foundation for for being spontaneous and i think we there's definitely room for us to grow in being more spontaneous um but um this book uh that we use it's called the worship source book that the calvin institute put out it's got just a lot of resources in it and i was reading in the kind of the introduction of the book and it and it kind of compared it to um to jazz improvisation so Jazz musicians um, improvise all the time, meaning that you know they make up a melody on the spot. 
And the only reason it works is because the, you know, the jazz combo behind them is, is playing within a structure. Like it's, it's in a predictable pattern. And the only reason that this other musician's able to solo over it and it, and it sounds good um, is because, because there is that structure. And so I, I think that's kind of the idea of, um, at least one idea of like why it's helpful to have that. And I think from another direction, um, uh, our, so you could, your liturgy or your order of service could be motivated by, or seen through different lenses. So one lens um, would be to see it through, uh, through a level of like just the energy in the room. So, so you start out with a, a really, you want to start out with a really fast paced song. And, and then as the service goes on, you kind of slow it back a bit and, and you get a little bit more reflective and contemplative. Um, and then maybe at the end, you know, you do another fast song to get everybody hyped up again. Um, so that's one, you know, potential lens look, you know, to look at it. Another lens would be, um, and, and this is what, what we want to do, and it's kind of more of the uh, historical thought behind it, is, is through a theological lens, is to actually think about your order of service uh, within like theological categories and so um, and I think when we do that we our service actually becomes a lot more rich and has a lot more variance in it Um, so to give like a negative example of that I was thinking about this so when I was in high school I led worship at our uh, our youth group and uh, we played a lot of Hillsong, United, like like their old stuff, like United We Stand and all of the above and, and all this stuff. And and so, like some of that music is actually really good. But um, but what ended up happening was like later me later reflecting on you know all this all, all these songs we used to play you know all the time. Like I realized it was kind of one dimensional. Like a lot of the um, a lot of those songs from Hillsong in that era, like were, were very much about the same thing. They kind of all talked about the same thing. They were structured the same way. And looking back on it, like our service, because we, you know, we did a lot of those songs and other songs like that. Um, our service was it was kind of you know just one dimensional. Most of the songs were about how um, you know we were we were lost and and. Jesus is great and he saved us. But the, the, you know, the Christian life is, I mean, that's certainly at the core of the Christian life, but the Christian life is, is, is a lot more than just that. Um, and I think when we, we have a, uh, a liturgy that is uh, theologically driven, um, we, we, we can have a lot more richness in our service. And so, as an example of that, uh, one of the pieces that we have pretty much uh, regularly incorporated into our service is, is the confession of sin and assurance of pardon. And and it's it's clear to see how, you know how that relates to the gospel. Like uh, you know we don't confess our sins because uh, we think that you know we need to be saved again and again and again, but we confess them. Um, because we need to be reminded of our, of our, um, the power that, you know, the sin still is actually present in us, and and uh, but also remind ourselves of the assurance that we have in Jesus, and um, 
and I don't come in every Sunday, you know, most people don't come in wanting to uh, to confess our sin and remind ourselves of of our, you know, how broken we are and uh, how much we failed. But we need to do that because we need to be reminded of, of the grace that we have in Jesus. And so that, you know, that's part of this, um, that's part of our liturgy. And it, it brings this, you know, it brings more depth to what we do when we do it, um, you know, in a meaningful way that, that is coming from the heart and is not just going through the motions. Yeah, that's really good. Um, Jamie Smith, um, he, he, I think he's, you mentioned how this, the liturgical resurgence, I guess you could say, within evangelicalism is, is probably largely attributable to his work. Um, he wrote a book called You Are What You Love, which was kind of a popular version of this larger series of desiring and imagining the kingdom. But um, you are what you love. Basically, what he argues is that human beings are loving, desiring creatures, and the ways that our loves and desires are cultivated and directed are through habits. And he talks about um, in this book, he talks about the importance of like a whole life liturgy. Um, he talks about taking a liturgical audit. Like, what are your habits and your routines? What are they teaching you to love? What are you? Uh, what sort of ruts are you carving out for yourself? Uh, and he also spends some time being critical about how churches kind of thoughtlessly approach Sunday mornings and encourages us to think about how we can like corporately uh, like think through the habits that we're cultivating uh, because those habits are cultivating our loves and our desires. And so like one of the reasons that we, we have these particular structures is we want to be thoughtful about um, directing people's loves and hearts and towards Jesus who has redeemed them and uh, by embracing this particular uh, order of service we're, we're like attempting to take people uh, like through the gospel story as a way of like carving out that gospel story again and again into our hearts each Sunday Sunday after Sunday um, it, it doesn't make sense that we would uh, you know be really obsessed with our eating habits and really obsessed with our wake-up and morning routines and really obsessed with our habits with our children and and really obsessed about our traditions and things, and then be totally thoughtless about how we approach Sundays when that's just inconsistent with the way that we think about the rest of our lives. So what we're trying to say is like, what we're trying to do with our Sundays is like, take that same attentiveness to habits that we have in every other area of life and bring it to bear on Sundays so that our loves and desires for Jesus can be cultivated more deeply towards Him. Right. And um, I think this, you know, I think that idea has its, it's not really it's not a it's not a flashy thing it's not um you know having a having a liturgy is not a uh you know it's 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 kind of it's kind of um well we can't send out like flyers that say um we've got something really great in store for you next Sunday. Oh, I can't wait. And it's like, well, yeah. because it's pretty much going to look like it did last Sunday yeah. or the Sunday before. Yeah, it has its, it has its greatest effect over time, I think. And, yeah, that's good. Um, and that doesn't mean that we, we don't want it to be fresh and new every week, um, but it just means that part of the part of the way that it affects us and informs us uh, more like Christ um, is that, it, week in and week out, it's you know it's it's kind of that little by little. It's that going to the gym every day to get a little bit more done. Um, you know, there's not going to be one day that you go to to the gym and you you know you go from bench pressing 150 to bench pressing 250. Um, that that happens over you know periods of time, and it's that you know it's that pattern and that routine. 
And so I think, um, and I think that that's the wisdom of that you know we see in church history is that um, our our culture we want you know we want a quick fix or we want to you know something that's going to kind of wow us, but we don't want to do that that long process of you know little by little making progress and and the liturgy if we do it well will form us to uh, to to cultivate Christ likeness over a period of time mm, that's good that's really good um yeah in a lot of ways Sunday worship gathering is like a macro spiritual discipline that's like the kind of a corporate church discipline yeah uh, discipline of the church spiritual discipline um yeah that's really good man there's so much more that can be said we're out of so time. much more um, really briefly, just to kind of land the plane, how can folks listening engage well in this and, and kind of lean into our liturgical structure on Sunday? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think we all, we all have to be on guard about it becoming um, routine and just going through the motions. Um, and so I think a big part of it is um, is our, you know, something we can all do is is just, personal preparation for Sunday hmm. um, before before we come in on on for a Sunday service um, taking time to to prepare our hearts for for seeking the Lord um, because the thing is you know what we do on Sunday it's it's really not effective apart from God's spirit working in us um, and so something that everyone can do is is just take some time in prayer and then and even you know little things like uh, getting to the service before it starts and, you know, being in your seat and being ready to go. Because, you know, if we, uh, if we're coming in, you know, halfway through the first song and then still talking, you know, until we're a little bit longer into the service, we're like missing out if, you know, we're missing the big picture of what we're Hmm. doing. And so to, to, to come in prepared and to meaningfully engage, uh, week in and week out, I think we'll, we'll really, you know, the structure of the liturgy will really be able to have its impact on us mm. uh, if we do that. If we, if we're seeking um, God's Spirit working in us, and we're and we're preparing ourselves well um, to think, you know, to think deeply and meaningfully about these things, and not just, you know, going through the motions. Yeah, that's really good. Well, JC, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. We will talk with you next week.